Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nelly Galan. Let's get started. So Janina Verano, what a pleasure. We have been trying to get together and have this conversation for a couple of years. You had a baby in the middle of it. I had a baby. And we were lucky because we were introduced. I speak a lot about my team, that as an entrepreneur, I've had to build a team of a banker, a lawyer, this and that. And my entertainment lawyer for all these years happens to know you very well and connected us. Yes, yes. Angela Patillo. I'm just so happy to have you here. I think it will be very great for people to know what kind of lawyer you are. I mean, you're like an incredible lawyer in this town (laughs) doing incredible stuff. How did you get to this place? So I practice family law, complex family law litigation, which people also call it a divorce attorney. (laughs) And, you know, I never thought I was going to practice family law. I went to law school with the intention of becoming a criminal lawyer. That's what I wanted to do. But I graduated in the middle of the recession. And lawyers were being laid off, but divorces were on the rise. So I ended up working actually with Nick Cuneo, who's now my partner. I was his associate for several years. People need to know that in LA, Nick Cuneo is like the OG of divorces. He's done so many celebrity divorces. He has. And I was very fortunate enough that while I was his associate, I was working on these cases. So I was doing a lot of the paperwork, meeting with the clients, and then I Ultimately, not right away, but after he gained trust in me and I learned the ropes, I was kind of like his right-hand woman, if you would. So I was able not only to learn that sort of law, but also meet people, you know, Mm -hmm. and have exposure to these sorts of clients. And if you impress one client, they're going to refer you to another client. And then in 2020, he asked me to become partner. And so now it's Cuneo and Verano. And that's been the case for the past three years. And so do you think that's a great way for people coming out of law school or people going into fields where you don't realize that you have this profession, but you really are going to build a business? And how the heck in a saturated city do you build a business? This was a great idea for you. So what's the advantage of doing it this way? The advantage is the learning curve, because even in my practice now, I meet lawyers who maybe they're opposing counsel. They have Mm -hmm. the same number of years of experience as I do, but they didn't get that mentorship. So they don't have as much experience. I mean, even though the number of years is the same, the quality is not there. I couldn't imagine doing it any other way, frankly. I think it's the best way to do it because, you know, lawyers also age and eventually are going to retire. So they got to teach somebody. And I view that now as almost my responsibility, obligation, ultimately, and I, it may be soon in my career that I may want to hire an associate to help me out with my cases and pass the torch along because, you know, we'll work together for a certain number of years. And then ultimately I will also retire. 
I don't get why so many people decide to do things the hardest possible way. Like start a business from scratch. You went to law school or you went to medical school or you went to dentist school and they didn't teach you how to run a business. And then you start from scratch and it makes you miserable. I have a friend that's a dentist and she just brought in someone who's buying her practice, but over five years, and she was going to stay with her for five years and teach her. And I thought that was so smart or going in any kind of profession. You don't think you're going to be an entrepreneur, but you're going to be an entrepreneur. And why don't you go in with someone else's business or practice and almost buy them out over time or work with them? Because you're right. They're going to want to leave and they're going to want to get something out of it. They have the database of people and of clients. Exactly. Why wouldn't you? So I just, I've loved meeting you because I thought that was so cool and smart. Thanks. So now let's transition. Now that we've talked about the business of law, let's get into what you do and the importance of your work as a divorce and family lawyer. Sure. I'm, I personally am so lucky that I've been divorced once when I was very young. And I also had a breakup with somebody I lived with for many years. Now it's been almost six years ago. But I'm one of those lucky people that still has a good relationship with my exes. Right. And in, you know, in the case of my recent ex, we're dear friends. So somehow I've managed to deal with all these issues. I also give kudos to him for helping us maintain a great relationship. Because I think somebody like, you know, you know, I'm Latina, Janina. I come from a relationship culture where children come first. Right. You know, in my case, my ex raised my son and I love his three children. So we had to work really hard on having a civilized and friendly breakup. And, you know, what is that Gwyneth Paltrow thing that she coined? A conscious uncoupling. Mm -hmm. But I know that this isn't always the case. As I said, your firm has handled so many divorces and celebrity board divorces and breakups that you know the pitfalls of when relationships go south and everything becomes transactional. It's important in speaking of financial literacy that we don't sweep these things under the rug and that we understand early on how to think differently about relationships. Right. And then you and I have just had so many conversations about sort of the business of relationships and also what you've learned from dealing with so many successful, famous people when things go wrong and that a common person like me would not know to even think that way. And I think for me as a Latina, because I was raised like divorce is bad or like you would never think to plan ahead for a marriage or a divorce, right? Right. And I think of so many cases now of my girlfriend's It used to be that men had to pay women, but now women are paying men. And all of us that have done well don't even think like that. So I've learned so much from you. Thank you. I've enjoyed our conversations. But absolutely, as a Latina, going into family law, I mean, I come from a long line of married people, right? That stayed married for years and years and decades and decades. So it was amazing to me, even going into this area of law, seeing how former spouses who are parents to children, how they treat each other, but there's definitely a need for this type of law. And I love helping people through these real transitions in their lives. So I know you're a lawyer in California. And so we want to make sure that you're not giving legal advice because legal advice is very different state by state, city by city, and it changes all the time. But I think that it would be great for you to talk about since I talk so much about there is no Prince Charming, and I don't mean just a man. I mean, in our lives, I think we grow up thinking that someone's going to save us. And I don't think it's just women. I think men think like that too. And 
yet your mate isn't here to save you and things can go very wrong. And I think it's also true in business. Your boss isn't there to save you and your company, you may work for Google or Facebook or whatever. And you think, oh, the Holy Grail, but they could lay you off tomorrow. And so to me, it's bigger than just a mate. It's kind of a macro thing of like all relationships. There's a relational part of a relationship and then there's a transactional part of a relationship. And how you go in is how you're going to leave. And so I think that that's really the conversation is, I really want you to explain to everybody what you told me, which was really life-changing for me about being really realistic about what a personal relationship is, whether you date someone, whether you live with someone, and about the equity of a relationship and the business model of a relationship, which sounds weird, but can you talk about all these things? I'm sorry. Absolutely. Let me try to narrow it down. So I think all of the personal romantic relationships, they all have a business aspect to them. And that's because money matters. It matters who's going to pay the bills. Are you guys living together? Are you going to get married? Are you going to have children? So let me just start with the traditional. Let me ask one thing, because I think what I learned from you is that romantic relationships are not unconditional. That when you have a kid, you love that kid unconditionally. Even that could go wrong if something happens. But that your mate is like, even though we may not say it, there are expectations. And you can fall out of love with someone if something goes wrong. Or you can even still love them, but not want to be with them anymore. That happens a lot too. What if somebody becomes a drug addict? What if somebody is addicted to gambling? What if someone breaks your heart because they cheated on you or something? Any of these things, any of these things, any of these things could be the deal breakers or, you know, in the really sad cases, what if they have a terrible accident and they're quadriplegic and you're sick of taking care of them? I mean, these are all, these are all things that have happened. These are all things that have happened to people. So life is full of surprises as much as everybody wants to meet their Prince Charming and ride off into the sunset on a white horse that usually, never happens. And marriage is hard work. I know that personally, and I know it from doing what I do for a living. So I don't want to say it's wise to have a contingency plan because that sounds harsh, but it's wise to have a contingency plan. And I think it's getting more and more common that people have prenuptial agreements, that people talk about these things. I think you hit the nail on the head that in our culture as Latinas, that kind of taboo, but it's definitely smart because, for example, in the state of California, half of everything that's acquired during the marriage belongs to your spouse. So every dollar you make, you really, you only made 50 cents. Your spouse made the other 50 cents, even if they stayed at home and did nothing. So, And that doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman? Correct. If it's not an equitable situation and one person makes more money than it doesn't matter which one. Doesn't matter which one. It's just during the marriage period. And we see more and more cases now where the woman is the earner spouse and Mm -hmm. she's the one that has to pay spousal support, for example, or divide her retirement account with her husband upon divorce. And mind you, California, and this is specific to California and some other states, but it's a no-fault state. So even if your husband cheats on you, doesn't matter. He still gets half. But- Luckily, in California and many other jurisdictions, you can contract around that. You can have a prenuptial agreement, which I advise everyone to do. And even if you don't want to have the agreement before getting married, go meet with a family law attorney. When you're madly in love, that feels cringy, what you're saying. But I think you've also said some stuff to me that's even cringier, which is that you said to me in today's world, it used to be like we've heard you know, maybe young people haven't even heard about this. Years ago, there was this palimony, Marvin palimony thing, where in the state of California, somebody won a case that the woman that was living with the guy and then 
He left her. He had to pay her almost as if he was married to her. And then that law got abolished somehow. But you were telling me that in today's world, young people should think about who you live with, who you even date for a long time, who you have a baby with and don't marry. Like There are all these new nuances of stuff that could go wrong and that really the conversation about the deal that you have, which doesn't sound like love to me, right? The, the deal you have between you has to be spoken about, talked about, and maybe even papered, which was shocking to me. The best way, of course, is to have it papered because then it's all nice and neat and in a box and there's no argument about what the agreement was. But let me go back to what you said about the Marvin case because Marvin is still very much alive in the state of California. So what a Marvin case is, is a long time ago in the 1970s, there was a woman who gave up her career as a singer and an actress to live with a very famous director. And they lived together for seven years and the state of California does not recognize common law marriage. So after they broke up, I think he supported her for like the period of a year or something like that. And then he refused to support her any further. And so she filed a lawsuit against him and she claimed that he was in breach of an oral and implied contract that she was going to give up her career as a singer and an actress to be a housemaker for him and make meals and whatever. And the Supreme Court of our state actually said, you know what? She's allowed to make such a lawsuit and the agreement doesn't have to be written. So it can be implied via the conduct of the parties. So since in this case, the gentleman was paying all of the expenses, he continued to support her after she moved out of the house and after their relationship was over, that sort of conduct could imply that there was this agreement in place that he was going to support her for the rest of her life. That would be considered an oral agreement, right? Correct. So what we've done now as family law lawyers is we have very similar to a prenup, we call them anti-Marvin agreements. And so when you're deciding to cohabitate with someone, you know, your romantic partner and okay, yeah, let's live together. People do it all the time now. Some of our clients will have that person sign an anti-Marvin agreement that says, listen, yes, you're moving into my home. Yes, I'm paying all the expenses, but we have no agreement. I am not agreeing to take care of you for the rest of your life. Things like that. And yes, you're giving me a (laughs) How do you say that to someone? Oh, I'm going to move into your house, but you got to sign an anti-Marvin agreement. I think that what I'm hearing you say is that you can no longer... With all the laws, not just in the state of California, Florida is even worse from what I've heard. So that you have to really have a very tough conversation with anyone that you are in a long-term relationship with. And if you have an oral conversation, then it could be he said, she said, right? Right, exactly. And it oftentimes will be. And here's what I tell people, because it is cringy to talk about it when everything is good and everyone is happy and you're talking about starting a life together is people are much nicer to each other when they're in love with each other than when they hate each other and they're breaking up. So maybe you say, please sign this anti-Marvin agreement. And they say, well, you know, if I'm going to give up my apartment and not be working anymore, it's really going to be hard for me. Okay, fine. So we'll put in the anti-Marvin agreement that if we break up for whatever reason, I'll pay you X amount of dollars or something. So you're saying it brings up the conversation. It brings up the conversation and there's room to negotiate. It's an agreement. And people, like I said, are more giving when they're in love than when so if the you relationship got, if is So if you over. sit down with a mate and you say, what do you think about this? Let's talk about if we were to break up, what would happen? Right. And you write it down and you paper it. Like you say, okay, you do this and you don't go to a lawyer. Does it not work? 
I mean, that would be good evidence. So there's the two things, right? So a prenuptial agreement, you have to have lawyers. If you're going to get married, if it's a prenup, go to a lawyer. Both of you need lawyers in order for it to be enforceable. An anti-Marvin agreement, I guess, could be without lawyers. Well, and in other states, it may not be yeah. an anti-Marvin. It might well, be in other something- states, might be common law marriage. Right. And California doesn't have common. Like I know in Nevada, I think after a certain number of years of living together, they just treat you like you're married. I think people have to really do their yeah, homework. Absolutely. Because you don't think it's going to happen, but it could happen. Right. What are some of the things that you've seen that are situations that are cautionary tales? Well, the Marvin thing, I've seen that happen a lot. The more wealth that you have, the more of a target you become. So Marvin cases usually involves one quite successful partner, whether it be the woman or the man. Some interesting cases that I've seen are people that have tried to do their own agreements and then they try to get those set aside because something that we always say, as much as I'm telling you, go get a prenuptial agreement, do this, do that. One of the number one decisions as a divorce attorney, when someone comes to me to get a divorce, if they have a prenuptial agreement, is we need to make the decision, are we going to contest the prenuptial agreement or not? Are we going to say it's unenforceable for some reason? And for that reason, I always tell people, you want a family law litigator, not just you know, a transactional attorney or something like that, but someone that's actually in family court litigating cases to draft your prenup because they've actually been arguing the validity or invalidity of a prenuptial agreement. So it's not a place to pinch pennies when you're getting a prenuptial agreement because it'll save you thousands of dollars going forward. Basically, the cautionary tale there is just because you have an agreement doesn't necessarily always mean everything is just easy peasy if something does come to pass. You've told me about stories where somebody like a young woman marries an older man and the guy's thinking that he's going to make sure he protects his assets, but the girl ends up making more money than the guy and the guy gets old. That's true. The girl is going to be happy she had the agreement because it saves her. She actually does better in life. And that's why you always have to take these, you know, as a family law lawyer, I always have to take these circumstances that may come to pass. Nobody knows. Nobody can tell the future, but I have to think ahead what could happen here. And that's a common fact pattern because these days we are seeing older men with younger women or even vice versa. And their paths and lives are going to be very different. The most successful spouse on the date of marriage may be very ill or disabled by the time the divorce comes around. I think as you get older, this gets easier because when you have assets and you've gotten divorced earlier or you've lost it, then you know you can't do anything without doing that. Right. But I think this conversation is true for young people too, especially when you think about young people that are, let's say, starting a tech startup or something like that where they have nothing, nobody has anything. And then all of a sudden, the thing you have could hit big And then you have a problem on your hands. Your mate could own half of what you own. And that's what you need to be careful about. I think it is especially hard on young people. And I've seen that happen where when the couple married, they didn't really have much. They just graduated from college. Nobody was really being successful. And then one of them just their career takes off and the other one just doesn't really do much. And it's frustrating for the very successful one. And so they end up getting a divorce and all that hard work that the successful one did. In the case I'm thinking of, it was a woman. Half of it has got to go to her husband if she gets a divorce. I think now we're more cognizant of all this. Young people maybe don't remember this, but back in the day when women were really at home, all these laws protected women that were home caretakers and the husband would go off with another woman and then leave the woman high and dry. So they were to protect families, really. Right. But now that women are kind of equalized with men and it could be either one, women find it hard to have to pay a guy 
And that's the law. The law is gender neutral. So it really doesn't matter. And I'll tell you, it's the hardest cases to settle because women don't want to pay their spouses, especially if they cheated on them or something. Hold on. Moneymaker will be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Let's get back to the show. So can I ask you a weird question? Sure. You're married. I Does am. it make you more weary of marriage or did you have to have these conversations with your husband when you were dating him? Did you live with him? I did live with him. And did you have an agreement? We did not. No, but he's think, probably scared to death of you. But, well, all of his <laughs> friends are so funny. When we were getting married, his friends were like, do you know what she does for a living? And I'm like, yes, he knows what I do for a living. We're getting married. But he and I had these conversations. You did. Because I do this for a living. So how could we not have these conversations? And I know you and I talked about the fact that almost intentionally, I pick somebody that is of my level. My husband, he works in tech. He does well. We're on kind of equal playing field. Although I don't think we're going to get a divorce. If we were, I don't think either one of us would have to pay the other any spousal support because our incomes are very similar. But you have kids. And we have kids. So, okay. Well, you would split the money. We would probably just split it. Let me ask a tough question because you've seen every sure. case in the book. What are the biggest red flags for you that people should be wary of in mating, in maybe an unequal economic situation, what are some red flags that you should look at and decide, I better not be in like la-la land of lovey-dovey and understand the business repercussions of thinking 10 years ahead? You have to know how much somebody makes. Please don't move in with someone without knowing how much their income is, right? And if their income is substantially lower than yours, that's a red flag. Now, if their income is substantially higher than yours, maybe you don't want to say anything <laughs> because it would benefit you. Wow, but that could change. That could change. I would also view their career trajectory. You know, are they on their way up? Are they on their way down? Have they already seen their peak? Do they have assets, income generating assets that maybe if they lose their job, it's not going to be such a big deal because they got the stock portfolio with money in it that's generating income. And then of course, you always want to be on the lookout for whatever your deal breaker is. And that's a personal thing, right? Like, is this guy, does he have a history of being a womanizer and is cheating totally going to be a no-go in your book? Because if so, what are you doing? Or are you dating somebody really old and now they're going to be a senior citizen and you're going to have to support them till they die? But unless they have a lot of money to support themselves, but do you want to be a nurse for 10 or 15 years? That's another thing you have to think about. When you see people that are celebrities or wealthy or whatever, and they have to marry somebody in an unequal playing field because they just make so much money, do they 
plan for this by saying, if I divorce you or if I break up with you or if I stop living with you, you're going to get the settlement? Yeah, usually that's what it is. If there's a large disparity, then yeah. Because if there is someone that doesn't have a lot of income, doesn't have a lot of money, and they're going to marry a very, very wealthy person or live with them or or whatever, there's going to be some sort of a payout. It'll be less than what they're going to get without the agreement, but you got to give them some consideration for signing the agreement, right? You can't just say you get zero. I mean, that's pretty harsh. So you're basically creating the payout situation in advance. And then everybody's kind of expectations are known. If we were to split up, this is what's going to happen. And how about if you have children with somebody? Isn't it true that the child has to live in the same form of the parent that makes money? Yeah. So child support is a formula. So the harder part of child support is not calculating the amount. It's determining the income of each party. So when you have a very wealthy entertainer or something like that, they obviously have various sources of income and maybe they have like a loan out corporation or something that's paying some of their expenses. So that's when you get a forensic accountant involved and you determine really how much income there is. And in California, even though there's a guideline figure that's presumed to be correct in all cases, there is a lot of case law. And I've done a lot of casework on this on extraordinarily high income earners, which is your income is too high. The guideline amount is too high. No kid needs that much money for their support. So then in those cases, if you show that the guideline amount is too high, the judge can say, you know what, I'm going to give this parent less money because the guideline number is too high, 50,000. These are numbers that I've seen in the DISO master and what kid needs 50,000 a month to live on. That's just the number that they get for living. Then they also have to pay the private school, the extracurricular activities and all these other things. So so it becomes um, very ugly. I mean, these are famous cases, not that they're your cases, but just in general, like a Jeff Bezos or somebody like that. It always shocks me how many celebrities and very wealthy people have no prenup. I know. I mean, you would think those people have handlers that say- I would think so. Some of them I know got married when they didn't have much. So that could be part of it. But you would think either A- their handlers didn't do their job or B, maybe they just had a conversation with their spouse and listen, I'm not signing this. I've had that too, where we've negotiated a prenup back and forth and ultimately they're like, nope, I'm not signing. And either they're going to get married or I had one case where they decided, nope, we're not getting married. And they just didn't get married because she wouldn't sign the prenup. So it's shocking. (laughs) It can be, it can be. So So I go back to your three takeaways, knowing everything you know Mm -hmm. is, and even young people, that are young and living together, what would you recommend? Even though you didn't do it yourself. Even though I didn't do it. But what do you recommend? Here's what I recommend. If you're going to get married or you're going to live with someone and there's a large disparity or any disparity really in your incomes and assets, you need to have an agreement. You need to have it in writing and you should go to a lawyer. Because if there's a large disparity, that just sounds like a nightmare to me if something were to go awry. So is that like a domestic partnership kind of thing or is it? So a domestic partnership is an actual thing that you apply for in the state of California, an actual status. And they're treated just like a husband and wife and the family code applies to them. So the money and everything. So the money and all of that applies. So you don't have to be married to be married. You could be a domestic partnership. Exactly. And And by the way, in today's world, we're not saying this is gay, straight, everything. Yeah, yeah. So at the beginning of my career, because gay marriage wasn't legal yet, My domestic partnership cases were usually same-sex couples that entered into domestic partnerships because marriage was not yet legal. But now that gay marriage is legal, 
I see very few domestic partnerships and it's usually marriages. And I've seen divorces of same-sex couples as well. So same-sex couples that live together have the same laws. They're going to have the same laws applied everybody's to them. Everybody's now the equalized. Same, yes, everybody's now equalized. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what are your three takeaways? So anybody should try to do some kind of papering. If there's a large disparity, I think anybody who's going to get married should meet with a family law attorney, as cringy as that is, just to know what you're signing up for. Because so many of my clients come to me when it's time to get a divorce and they have no idea. They have no idea that their spouse gets half of their retirement. They have Really? No, yes. They have no idea. They're just like, really? What? They have no idea about spousal support and that if you're married for longer than 10 years, spousal support could last for life. Does it really just mess them up? terribly. Well, they get angry about it. So it becomes a big <laughs> Yeah. They, I mean, they get angry about fair. it, but it's not fair. It's, oh, I hear that all the time, but that's not fair. I went to, I did this. I did. The law is the law, you know? So that's absolutely what I would do. And third is to have a conversation with your partner. Talk about these things. These are things that should be discussed. I mean, even if you're just moving in with someone, aren't you going to have the conversation of, okay, well, who's going to pay the rent and who's going to pay the electricity? Or is it all just understood? Let's talk about that. Our oral agreements really real. Can somebody say, you told me this? Well, the Supreme Court of California said they're real, but it's not just enough to say you said X, Y, and Z. Their conduct has to be in conformity with that sort of an agreement, right? Mm. So you can't just say one time, you know, in 1999, you said you were going to take care of me for the rest of my life. You have also said to me that We can't forget there is a statute of limitations on an oral agreement, a written agreement, all that. Like people can't just arbitrarily come back years later and say, you owe me this money because I'm broke. Janina, thank you so much. I mean, it is very hard to hear all this, right? Because we want to, especially me as a Latina, I want to be relational, not transactional. But I realize we're living in difficult times in America where things have to be papered and people sue you for whatever and you have to be prepared. I tell my son too, kids that inherit some money, even though I know inherited money is not, somebody can't take that money from you. But when they commingle it in the family, then- It's not only when they commingle it in the family, if you've inherited millions of dollars and then you have a spouse that's living high on the hog because you have millions of dollars, well, while they can't take the inherited money from you as a property interest, the income generated by that money is going to be considered for payment of spousal support. Wow. Yeah. So yes, they're protected in a sense, but there's still some exposure there. I'm just glad we're having this conversation because I think I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it in so long. Right. And yet I see it in my girlfriends who have made a lot of money and they're really suffering the consequences because you never thought, like when the world changed and women started making money, they didn't start thinking like men and getting prenups. I know, I know. Right? Men will run out and get a prenup and I think women should too, as hard as that conversation may be to have. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nellie. Moneymaker is a production of Money News Network. Moneymaker is written and hosted by me, Nelly Galan. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoy. Thanks for listening. See you next time.